discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. We are going to spend all of eternity celebrating each other. <laughs> yeah. And do you know that in eternity we'll be remembering this like this? It's amazing. It's amazing. We'll all remember this like this in eternity. All our stories will be told which is centered on Christ. It's so amazing. And God has done a lot. God has done a lot for this ministry by his grace. And we are all here because Jesus has brought all, all of us together. We thank God for what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, we thank God for Bishop's life. As well as his wife, <laughs> Pastor Kobe, and all the pastors. Hallelujah. God bless you, Richard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for God's word? Yeah. All right, lift up your hands towards heaven. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that this blessed morning. Give unto everyone here the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, be flooded with light. That's what we ask for. Fill us with all wisdom, spiritual understanding. Blessed Holy Spirit, this meeting is thine. Brood over us. Pervade. And have absolute dominion and control. It's in your hands. Our hearts are opened, our ears are opened, our minds are opened to receive the engrafted word of God which is able to save our souls. And we are never the same, we are transformed. Your power and your supernatural abilities at work in this place. Moving, brooding, healing, restoring, strengthening, enabling, energizing. Yakta sushim mamakaka suraba thras tatata. Dili bijimbras imakal zurakta shimbranda sete kara sanda shibaka. Thank you, Jesus. To you be all the glory. Praise and honor forever. In Jesus' name. Can you please be seated? 
Hallelujah. How many of you have, have had a, a joyous weekend? A weekend of joy. Hallelujah. Yeah, never let your joy cease. Never have a, a joyless moment in your life. Yeah, joy is a feast. Walk in joy. Hallelujah. Walk in joy. Stay in the way, then walk in joy. So this blessed Sunday morning, I want to speak on foundations for health. Foundation for health. Foundation for health. Hallelujah. Foundation for health. Hallelujah. 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 I like the way you people are always joyful and happy. There are some churches when you enter, you, you can't tell whether you are in a funeral or you are in a church. <laughs> because everything is dead. And they cannot wait to leave the church service. But when I read my Bible, the Bible said that the, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. You see, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, which is the church. So this is the place of joy. And the Bible says that the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. So the, the dwelling of the righteous. When you get to the dwelling of the, of the righteous, what you hear is rejoicing. The voice of rejoicing is in the tabernacles of the righteous. Hallelujah. Now health is so important. And I want you to know that health is the second greatest benefit of redemption. The second greatest benefit of redemption is health. If it's the second, then what is the first? I know you are thinking about that. <laughs> the first is forgiveness of sins. Psalm 103. Let's see Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my... I, I like this. You see, David is speaking to himself. So sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Especially when sadness is coming into your heart. Speak to yourself and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. David will speak to himself and say, and say Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God, who is the health of your countenance. So it's good to speak to yourself. So now the, he's speaking to himself and he's saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Sometimes we forget his benefits when things are not working well. <laughs> but we should never forget. So what are his benefits? Number one, who forgiveth all their iniquities? The first benefit of redemption. Secondly, who he let all die diseases. After salvation, what is most important is your health. True or false? Because you see, without good health, you wouldn't be sitting here. You'd be in the hospital, you'd be on a stretcher. Without good health, how can you save God? Without good health, how can you do, go for evangelism and win souls? Without good health, how can you sing in a choir? Your, your songs were, are so nice and powerful. Your, your faces, especially your faces. Your smiles can raise the dead, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
if I'm a young man and I'm looking for a wife, I'll come to Love Economy. I'll come to Love Economy and I'll start from La Croix. <laughs> Hallelujah. Farouk, you are here. It's good to see you. <laughs> so, the second greatest blessing of redemption, because health is most important, I'm telling you. The total health expenditure in the US in 2017 was $3.5 trillion. $3.5 trillion. That is higher than any, any other thing. So much money, some huge dollars is pushed into the area of health. What do you see when you go to hospitals? The situation is so pathetic. Sometimes you go to hospitals and there are no hospital beds. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. And people are sick. And sometimes the place is so dirty. Mosquitoes. Some of the nets are even torn. You don't get sick, so you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Even when I'm going to give birth. When my wife was giving birth to um, our boy, we went to the hospital. Powerful hospital. <laughs> and the room we booked was VIP. The top there, I believe that the top there, it, it has not been worked on since the days of Gadgetsburg. The bishop will testify. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> and when you go to the hospital and you, and you find yourself and you get a, 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 you, a, you see you meet an annoying nurse who attends to you. <laughs> so you realize that you cannot compromise divine health. Health is a gift from God. Praise God. Health is what. That's why it's, it was fundamental in Jesus' ministry, fundamental in the apostles' ministry. <laughs> and today, what is happening in the world, you better work in divine health. Because you see, a lot of things are being compromised. <laughs> Some of the fruits we are eating, genetically, the seeds have been compromised in laps. So you think you are eating original fruit from heaven, from God. It has been compromised. And even the creams we use. And the last this scheme of the devil against humanity will be through medicine. Have you ever read uh, Revelation 18 verse 23? Let's see Revelation 18 23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants or your businessmen were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. All nations are going to be deceived by sorceries. But the word sorcery here is not sorcery as we think. It's the Greek word pharmakeia. Which, when it is anglicized, you get the word pharmacy. 
for by thy pharmacies were all nations deceived. So the greatest deception before Christ come will come through pharmacy. There is proper science and pseudoscience. There is proper science, good science and pseudoscience. So we have viruses being manufactured. Yeah, viruses, viruses. So many things are going to happen. You go and buy food, you don't know what is in the food. So God said, I should bring you the message foundation for health. So you can be exempted from what is happening. Yeah. You have no idea the plans some people have been concerning seeds. The seeds to plant. Very soon it will be illegal to plant your own seeds at your backyard. It's coming. You have to be given the seed because the seeds have been compromised. Praise God. Now, what is the foundation for health Jesus gave us? What is the foundation for health? Now, when we think of healing, what we think about is the gifts of healings, the anointing for healing. Because among the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, we have the gifts of healings. In the Greek, they are all plural, the gifts of healings. We have the working of miracles. We have the gifts of faith. Although God has given gifts for the church, the foundation for health is not through the manifestation of these gifts. <laughs> the foundation for our health is not the manifestation of these gifts. Although God has given these gifts to the church. Do you know that if someone is operating in the gifts of healings, he cannot heal until the anointing is, has manifested to heal. People don't know how the gift of healings operate. Look at first look at verse 11. Let me show you verse 11. But all this work that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, when it comes to speaking in tongues, speaking, speaking in tongues has to do with your own will. You can speak in tongues with your own will. But the rest of the gift, you can't operate with your own will. It's a manifestation of the spirit. For instance, word of knowledge. How can I know something about you? Except the Holy Ghost reveals. That's how healing operates. When someone is under the healing and anointing, the person can call sick people. <laughs> Maybe there are different sicknesses, but the anointing can only be for eye problem. Meanwhile, a lot of people are suffering from different kinds of, kinds of sicknesses, but the anointing can be for, that, for eye problem for that day. <laughs> Sometimes too, you can call for 20 people who are sick. But the anointing is only for 13. Check it. Most healing meetings, not everyone gets healed. True or false? That is the, <laughs> it's because, yeah, the man of God is under the anointing. And you don't control the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls you. So it, it manifests. Sometimes you, you pray for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. The anointing is lifted. The rest will not be healed. The only way they can be healed is by their faith. And they will get the same result. The same result. That is why Jesus healed 19 individual cases in the Gospels. Out of the 19, 12 of them, he said, your faith has made you whole. Telling us that the percentage of healings will be from our faith. The large, the, the large percentage of healings will be from our faith. So what it means is that if 
20 people are lined up and anointing comes to heal only seven. The rest can be healed on your faith. So what must be done is that the word of God must be shared. You can share the word five minutes for them to know that by, by, by his stripes, every sickness was taken away. The instant they believe, they can have the same result with those people. Praise God. And also, it's amazing. There are certain meetings. You see what manifests in the meetings is signs and wonders. God can give a sign. For instance, in certain evangelistic crusades, there are people who couldn't walk. But in the crusade, they started walking. But when they got home, they became crippled again. What happened in the meeting was that God gave them a sign. God is saying that, I have this for you. Once you believe me, your healing can be perfected. What is your response to it? That's what God is saying. <laughs> Once you believe the healing is perfected. <laughs> and when it comes to the gifts of healings and the miraculous, hmm. Look, people have blamed evangelists and men of God. Even Brihad Bonki. I was in Cape Coast. I was very young. I was nine years or something. I heard people were blaming Rehad Bonki that when he came to heal the sick, after one month, the sicknesses have come again. So he's not a genuine man of God. People blame Catherine Coleman. 95% of people he, she healed, the sicknesses came back. Catherine Coleman and Ora Roberts. They sent some cats around America. More than 80% of those who were healed, the sicknesses had come back. Hey! The problem is not with the man of God. So Ken Hagen saw that. So you know what he was doing? He intentionally organized smaller meetings. Intentionally. So what he did was that in the mornings, he would teach about healing and how to maintain your healing. In the evening, then he would do the, the, the healing services. Because you see, the same spirit that brought the sicknesses, after they are healed, that same spirit will come back. So if you have no idea about how to maintain your healing, it will be lost and you think it's God who had done it. But those who, but basically, new converts and unbelievers hardly lose their healings. Because it's not, because the man of God can carry them on his faith. But those who have been in the church for a while, mostly they lose their healings. <laughs> because you see, if you have a baby, you have to feed the baby. You have to bath the baby. You have to dress the baby. But when the baby is grown, 19 years, you still bath your child. Uh-huh. So God holds you responsible because you are matured. But if you are not matured, be healed. That thing is gone because I can carry you by my faith. But once you know the things of God a while, you have to you do it by your own faith. So there are many people who have no idea about healing and how it operates. So they are healed and after a while it comes after a while it comes back. There was this man who was crippled. He was healed in the service and walked for a month. <laughs> he was walking publicly. Pa! He became crippled again. Market square. Public square. He became crippled again. But he knew how to maintain his healing. He just raised his voice. Satan, I dismiss you in the name of Jesus. I come against your schemes in my life. I declare that by his stripes I am healed. So as he started speaking a word, he stood up again and walked. If he never knew this, he would have been crippled forever. So the word is always important. Praise God. 
healings, the gift of healings, the miraculous, the gifts of faith, and all these dimensions. They are not given to the church primarily as a foundation for our health. No. Look at the Acts of the Apostles. Most of the people who were even healed by the gifts of healings were unbelievers. Have you read Acts of the Apostles? Unbelie- primarily it's for the world. In, in a secondary sense, it's for the church. But what God ordained as a foundation for our health is the Holy Communion. <laughs> if you had revelation, you'd have shouted higher. But don't shout. No, no, don't, don't shout. I want you to shout after the revelation has come. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Holy Communion. First of all, listen, when the church was born, they took communion every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday they took communion. They didn't take it once a month. Every Sunday. You know why? What did Jesus do? The first day Jesus rose from the dead. The dead. He rose up from the dead on a Sunday. True or false? What did he do? He met two guys walking on the way to Emmaus. And Jesus began to preach. Christ began to preach Christ to them. I, I, I wonder how it was. It was not recorded because there were no, there were no iPhones. <laughs> so, Jesus was working with them. Emmaus actually means hot bath. They were taking a hot bath. The word. He, they said, did not our heart burn within us? What did Jesus do? Christ began to preach Christ to them through the Old Testament. And beginning at Moses and in all the scriptures, he expounded in them the things concerning himself. Beginning at Moses and in, in, in the prophet and in all the scriptures, he expounded in them the things concerning himself. So Christ now began to preach from the Old Testament, revealing that he is the burnt offering. He is the grain offering. He is the, the reason for the offerings and the sacrifices. So Christ began to reveal himself through the Old Testament. Hallelujah. So Christ was preaching Christ. And when they got to their destination, Jesus pretended as if he was continuing the journey. And they sought him and they begged him to go inside their house. And when they got there, you know what Jesus did? He took communion. He took the bread and broke it. And when he had served them, he, dis- 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 he vanished out of their side. So Jesus gave us the pattern for Sunday services. That was what he did. Previously, Sabbath was Saturday. But when Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, they called Sunday the Lord's Day. That became the Christian Sabbath. That's why the Bible calls it the Lord's Day. It's different from the day of the Lord, which is when Christ will come on earth to bring judgment. That is far after the rapture. The day of the Lord, when he comes to reign on earth. But the Lord's Day is Sunday. That is the Christian Sabbath. Hallelujah. And he gave us a pattern for the Lord's Day. What do we do? Every Sunday we preach Christ and we take communion. That's what he did. Look at Acts 20 verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, what is the first day of the week? Sunday. When the disciples came together to break bread. To break bread. You see, sometimes um, among the church folks, when we, we, we use the term brick bread to, uh, to imply eating all sorts of food. When you eat gobe, we call it breaking bread. When you eat jollof rice, you're breaking bread. <laughs> mm. 
fufu and uh, light soup. We call it breaking bread. No, that's not what is called breaking bread. First Corinthians 10 verse 16. Let me show you what breaking bread of bread is. First Corinthians 10 verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, that's where it comes from. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the bread which we break is the communion. It's not too zafi, you understand? It's not rice and stew. The bread which we break is the communion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, back to Acts 20 verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, can you imagine? Paul preached unto them. They didn't even come together to hear Paul. Can you imagine? They didn't come together to hear Paul. The reason for their gathering together was to break bread. Especially just for communion. Then Paul preached. Ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. He preached very long, more than six hours. Yeah. Long ministration. Prophet Adam has that anointing. The next verse. <laughs> and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And that there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sank down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourself, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten, I'm amazed that we are having a service. We are in the third floor and somebody falls down and dies. He, he, the, he stopped the preaching, gets down, raised the guy from the dead. They, came, they come back again to have communion. That shows how important communion... Just think of something happened like that. All of us will forget there's something, something called communion. We're in a service and someone dies. And Bishop goes to raise the person from the dead. Look, we'll celebrate her. We even forget that there's something called communion. <laughs> but he raised the guy back to life and they broke bread. They had the communion. How important it was. The word went forth before the communion so they could have faith in the communion. But the thing is that Eutychus or Eutychus was sleeping and was dozing whilst Paul was preaching. And he fell down from the third floor. Now, in the Greek, Eutychus or Eutychus actually means good fortune. Good fortune. And Eutychus is a type of the church. The church has lost his good fortune because the church is not listening to Paul. The church has lost his good fortune because the church is not listening to the Pauline epistles. <laughs> because our inheritance is in the epistles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you, do you really understand what I'm saying? <laughs> he fell down dead. And amazingly, they were in the third floor. My, my, my. Paul was preaching in the third floor. The Pauline epistles is in the third floor. 
the third heavens. You see, because the church is sleeping, we have experientially lost our place. We've forgotten that he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That is the third heavens. That's where we are and that's where we reign. But because we are not listening to Paul, we've lost our fortune. But thank God Paul went down and embraced him and his life came back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, the Gospels are the words of the incarnate Christ, but the Epistles are the words of the ascended Christ. Yeah. All right. So, they took communion. I want you to know that every Sunday. It's not once a month. Praise God. But aside from that, they took communion every day. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 46. Acts 2, 42 and 46. And they continued steadfastly. This is from the day of Pentecost, those who were saved. The 3,000 who were saved. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meats with gladness and singleness of heart. There were two things that were normally joined together. There was a communion and a, and a love feast. If you don't read well, you may think they are the same. The love feast was when they ate together. Because normally they break their bread after eating together. And they broke their bread from house to house. They took communion. You know what it means? That means when I wake up in the morning, my household will have communion. This is when, when I visit you, you will give me um, either series and biscuits or give me some fruit. You, you serve me with drinks. But the early church, when they visit each other, the first thing was not drinks. The main item was not drinks. I take communion in my house when I visit you. Before I leave, you serve communion. And when I visit, so if I visit three friends in one day, it means I'm going to take communion four times in a day. I'll take communion myself daily. Then wherever I go, before I leave your house, we serve communion. Before I leave your house, we serve communion. Before I leave your house, we serve communion. That's how it was, from house to house. Because of that, they were not sick. The early church folks, they were not sick. They were ministering to the sick. They were not living in, in, in sickness. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And we try to practice that. Some guests come home, we, we have communion before they go. So start practicing that when you have the revelation of communion. Someone visits you, before the person goes, serve communion. And you see what will happen to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daily. Yeah. My family, we take communion every day after devotion. After family devotion, communion is there. We even brought communion from, from Accra to, Takra, uh, uh, to Kumasi. Even this morning, we have taken communion. <laughs> but yesterday, we didn't take communion. <laughs> you know, we've taken every day, apart from yesterday. And Kaina, my three-year-old child came to say, we have not taken communion today. We have not taken communion today. She was reminding us that we have not taken communion. That, that's what happens when you are communion-minded. Your, your, your kids will even remind you. <laughs> yeah. But you need fresh revelation, otherwise it can also become monotonous and mechanical and lose its power. You need fresh revelation. Praise God. Then apart from Daily, taking it daily. Let me show you how, how you can also take it. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. 
So two days ago, someone called me. And the person is about to deliver. And all of a sudden, she rushes just came over all her body and she was in pain. And her husband told me that, oh, we've taken communion, but nothing is happening. And I asked him, how many times have you taken a communion? And when did you take the communion? And so two days ago, we took, we, took it, we took it once. I said, no, don't do that. Looking at the, how critical the situation is, take it three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. When you go to the, the hospital, the doctor will give you 30, 30 uh, tablets of antibiotics and tell you that take one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening. And you are very careful. Seven o'clock, the water is there. The tablet is there. You don't miss it. You see, the first day when you take the medicine, normally the sickness is the same. You don't blame the doctor. You take the communion once, nothing is happening, you are blaming God. <laughs> There's nothing magical about it. Uh-huh. Look at what the Bible said. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Can you imagine? This, is, this surprises me. This is Paul speaking. How did Paul get to know about the communion? I thought that, that the apostles, apostles would transfer the knowledge of communion to him. But his knowledge about communion didn't come from Peter. Jesus himself gave it to him. That is how much important communion is. So he said, I have received of the Lord. Can you imagine? He gave it to him. That which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which she was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had sat, saying, The cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft. Say as oft. Now, in the Greek, the word oft in the Greek actually literally means as many times necessary. Many times necessary. So there is no any regulation. Many times necessary. So if you are feeling some way, I'm telling you, take it morning, take it afternoon, take it evening. You see, and what happens is that the sickness becomes less, and the more you take it with understanding and revelation, it becomes less, it starts reducing. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's less, 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 less. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. In John 8, 29, Jesus said something very, John 8, 39, something very wonderful. Jesus said unto unto them, if ye were the children, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. Now, what were the works of Abraham? When Abraham met Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High, there was a kind of transaction. Abraham gave Melchizedek the tithe, and Melchizedek gave him the communion. These two things are very important. Abraham gave him the tithe of all, and Melchizedek served him bread and wine, the communion. These were the works of Abraham. The tithe is for our wealth. The communion is for for our health. The tithe is for our wealth. The communion is for what? Our health. The the word tithe is mesa. 
In Hebrew, the word wealth is Asa. So, actually, in etymology, Asa is from Mesa. So, the wealth is in a tithe. So, when Abraham gave the tithe, Melchizedek gave the communion. So, health and wealth are the blessings of the covenant. Praise God. Listen, communion is so powerful. John G. Lake took communion every day. Smith Wigglesworth took communion every day. In fact, when Wigglesworth died, <laughs> scientists examined his body and they were shocked. And they said that they had never seen a more perfect specimen of a human body. His body was close to perfection. And the secret was that he took communion every day. John G. Lake, when they examined his blood, they poured different gems and viruses. They poured it on his blood. And under the microscope, a powerful light emerged out of his blood and killed all the viruses and the gems. And he said his secret was daily communion. John G. Lake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day I was speaking on communion and talking about the benefits of communion. When I finished, someone had the tape. This was just last year. The tape. And when the person listened to all the benefits of communion, the guy said, ah, this one is a lie. This guy is exaggerating. Wow. It cannot be. So he was just ridiculing the message. Not long after, the guy had serious disease, which was internal, within his intestines. So, the guy, then the guy remembered the message he had. <laughs> he said, although he felt it was an exaggeration, he should try. He decided to try. He took it, and for him it was once. He took it, and everything disappeared. It was confirmed by the doctors. <laughs> I said, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. There was a time I taught, on, I taught on communion. Someone got a tape. Someone was slated for surgery. They administered communion, and the person was instantly healed. That's how powerful it is. Praise God. <laughs> there is this lady. Her daughter would not sleep in the night. And she was told to serve communion to her daughter, and she wouldn't. One day she felt she should do it. She served her daughter communion. Instantly, her daughter pooped live ant. The instant the communion came and turned into her, live ant started pooping live ant. Can you imagine? In a similar case, the person's daughter, the person gave communion to her daughter, and her daughter pooped two human years after the communion had gotten into her. Two human years. There are things in this world. <laughs> yeah. There were some missionaries who were locked up in, in the desert. They took communion and they could walk day and night for 15 days, supernaturally. And there's a brother who stays with us in Accra. He's a converted Muslim. His father is the chief imam in Nigeria. I don't know whether he's still... He got saved through the communion. Yeah. He's still staying with us. Muslim. Your father is chief imam. He said one day, now he said one day, he's part of my team, actually, but he's not here. One day, he was just walking, 
and there was this crusade, and uh, the preacher said, whatever disease you have, if you take this communion, everything will be dissolved. And the usher just served him communion. And he was a Muslim. He was just passing through. He was not coming to the meeting. So he was even um, angry with the usher for having served him communion. But the usher challenged him that, you take and see. You see what Jesus will do for you. So he took the communion and went aside and said, apparently for 35 years, he was having a Every night he sleeps on the bed, blood comes on the bed. So he had some tubes connected with his urinary tract and all that. For all, since birth. So he said, Isa, if you are who they say you are, heal me and I'll serve you forever. That's what he said. He took it and he went home and for the first time, there was no blood on the bed. For the first time. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not a believer. He's in Ghana. They wanted to kill him for being a believer, so he had to run to Ghana. He ran to Ghana, and someone gave someone who I knew, whom I knew contacted him. He, he, he met someone I knew and brought him. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's powerful. Communion is powerful. I began taking communion daily when I had an interesting dream. I was doing it, but I wasn't very consistent. I do it once. I was doing it once in four days, once in five days, once in three days, you know. <laughs> the one day I had a dream. In the dream, a prophet was prophesying, and he called me to the prophetic ministration and began prophesying to me that the devil has planned seriously against my health to put me down. And in the prophecy, in the dream, the prophet said, the only way you can overcome Satan's schemes against your health is to take communion daily for 600 days. That was a dream. 600 days. <laughs> so when I woke up from the dream, the next day, so we took communion for 600 days, then we continued. Yeah. And I never saw anything actually. So you can develop so much faith that you, you must do it and your family, you begin to celebrate health. Our children, what happens is that when they are even not feeling so they have ill feeling, it doesn't last long. And it disappears. It doesn't last long because of communion. Hallelujah. My kids have never been to the hospital since they were born. So last two months they said they want to have an excursion to the hospital. We say, ah. You don't, you don't go to hospital for excursion. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, hospital is, is not for excursion. <laughs> it's for those who are sick. <laughs> Communion is powerful. My daughter drank a uh, Dettol when she was one. My communion did a miracle. Just gave a communion in the house. It, it went. Well, if you begin now, your faith in it, you begin to see results. And so your faith begins to rise. It begins to rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is amazing. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He'll just use a stone, a little sling, and a stone to bring down Goliath. Just a little bread and a little wine to bring down that cancer. It's amazing. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. <laughs> the communion has done testimonies, testimonies, testimonies. 
I saw a picture of a boy whose face was squeezed. After 15 days of communion, the face came back. Perfectly normal and natural. Hallelujah. I, I, I understand that, you see, man fell by eating. Man is also saved by eating. <laughs> Yeah, man fell by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now Jesus says, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye shall have no life in you. Yeah. Elijah, there are types of communion in the Old Testament. Elijah, an angel just came to Elijah and gave him a little meal from heaven. And he, Elijah ate it, and the Bible says, you think Elijah fasted? <laughs> it was a heavenly meal. He went in the strength of that meal for 40 days and 40 nights. For information, do you know that when the, Israel, the Israelites were living in Egypt, they ate communion? They ate communion in type and in shadow, the Paschal lamb. It's a type of the communion. And when they took the communion before they left Egypt, the Bible says in Psalm 107, my, 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 35, oh, he brought, he brought them forth also with the silver and with the gold. And there was not one feeble person among all their tribes. Hallelujah. He brought them also with the what? The gold and the silver, and there was not one feeble person among all their tribes. I think some 107, check it, 105, 36 or something. There was not one feeble person among all their tribes. Can you imagine that those who came out of Egypt, you know their number? Two million at least, two to three million. Two to three million. And all of them came, the Bible says that not one of them was feeble. But in the Greek, there was not, sorry, in the Hebrew, none of them had a feeble feet. There was not one feeble, one feeble person among all their tribes. Can you imagine 12 tribes? Not a single person was feeble after taking the communion. So just think of it. Think of grandmas. For instance, even in body here, if you are to count 50,000 people, you meet people who are crippled, people who are on stretcher, people who are lying down, ah, even, even thousand, if you start counting, counting thousand people all around, you meet such people. But just imagine, two million people, million people, including grandmas and grandpas, none of them had feeble feet. So they were just moving and running and walking. So when they were coming out of Egypt, grandmas were walk, walking this way. And great grandpa was walking this way. You could see grandma's hand, grandpa's hand on grandma, and we're walking. <laughs> the love is deep. <laughs> no one was holding a stretcher. There was no one who was crippled. There was not one feeble feet. Ma, ma, ma. If it was true with the type and the shadow, how much more the reality and the substance? But because we are under a better covenant established upon better promises. Praise God. John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now, when you read from this verse to the end, Jesus uses the word eat, eat so many times. But there are two different Greek words for eating. Okay. Huh. Now, 
One, this word eat is what the word fago, P-H-A-G-O, fago. Fago is, is the word for eat here, fago, P-H-A-G-O. But it has a connotation for spiritual eating. It, 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 it speaks of receiving something spiritually. Uh-huh. It has a spiritual, spiritual connotation. So this verse actually is speaking about receiving Christ as your savior. This verse is speaking of receiving Christ. Receiving is like eating. Uh-huh. Believing and receiving is like eating. Because it uses the word fago. Fago is it's a kind of eating, but it, uh, it's figurative. It's not so much as in literal. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Now, now, now let's go down. Let's go to verse 56, 56 to 58. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. Now the word eat here is, is trogo. T-R-O-G-O. Now it's different from the formal eating. This is trogo. And this trogo is the word for eating something literally. Actually, this, this word means to chew. It's the word for chewing granite. Or chewing nuts. It means to gnaw, J-N-A-W, to gnaw or to crunch. You know, to crunch. You know, the bread in those days, it's not, it's not like our bread. It had no yeast. So it's like biscuits. So you, you break it. That's where the bread was broken. You break it. And, and the sound is there. So trogo is eating something literally. It's used for eating nuts and crunching. So that, this, this word says, He that trogo my flesh and drinking my blood, dwelleth in me and I in him. The next verse. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by, my, by, by the Father, so he that eateth me shall live by me. So what is in view here is the communion. Eating the communion bread. It's not fago, it's trogo. The next verse. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that trogo of this bread shall live forever. Can you imagine? You may think it's spiritual life, but it's, not, it's, it's more than that. The fathers didn't die spiritually. They were already spiritual dead. They ate the manna and they died physically. So you eat the communion and you live physically. Because physical life is what is in view here. They didn't die spiritually because they were already spiritually dead. <laughs> they died physically. So if you eat of this bread and the word is trogo, it's not fago. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brethren, this communion is so powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Communion is, a, is an anti-aging tablet. Uh, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's powerful than aspirin and paracetamol. <laughs> wow. All right. What then is the communion? Firstly, communion is, is God's covenant meal. Is the covenant meal. Is the covenant meal. Is the covenant meal. Now, what is the covenant meal? Anytime you have communion before you, it is the covenant meal. There are, you see, when we speak of covenant in those days, there are nine components of, of a, coven, a, a covenant. There are nine components in any covenant. I can't talk about it, but let me just mention it. Nine components of a covenant. Number one, the first is called a covenant promise. A covenant promise. In every covenant, there is a covenant promise. 
There are promises in every covenant. It's called covenant promise. Number two, there is blood sacrifice. In every covenant, an animal ought to be killed. There's a blood sacrifice. Then thirdly, there is what is called the path of blood. The path of blood. Can someone come here? Let me just quickly illustrate something. All right. Please stand here. Yeah. The, the path of blood. Like God intended to covenant with Abraham. What happens is that in those days, when people are entering into covenant, one will stand here, one will stand here. Then the second thing is the sacrifice, uh, blood sacrifice. So they will kill animals and they will put them on the left and on the right. They will separate them into two. And we will stand in between the sacrifices. The sacrifices are here on the left and on the right. Then we will change our position. So you walk and take my place and I'll walk and take your place. The moment we cross through, we, we are in a covenant. What it means is that your place is now my place and my place is now your place. What is yours is mine. What is mine is yours. Yeah. When, we, when two people are in a covenant, I don't ask you, where is your purse? No. Where is our purse? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that path is called a path of blood. Thank you very much. Number four. Which number are we? Number four. There are blessings and curses. So those days in covenant, they will pronounce blessings and curses for keeping the covenant and for, and for breaking the covenant. <laughs> Number five, there was the mingling of blood. So two, your blood must be together, like uh, David and Jonathan. So normally sometimes the wrist, you make an incision on your wrist for blood to come. So please can you come back again? So we, we put our blood together. So two strangers who never knew themselves, now that their blood are together, they become blood brothers. They were not bonded by blood, but now we are blood brothers because of the covenant. All right. Which number are we? Hey. Now <laughs> going to six. Okay. Exchange of names. So what happens is that in the covenant, one person must take his name and put on the other. So when Abraham was in, God was in covenant with Abraham, his name was Abram. So now, when the covenant was done, God ha- now had to take his name, Jehovah, Yud, He, Vav, He. So God took the He, He, and added to Abraham, added to Abram, and he became Abraham. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So there's the exchange of names. That's why when I married my wife, it was a marital covenant. She has to take my name. Hallelujah. That's why your wife has your name. These are people who retain their names. But it's not. Uh, <laughs> Even if you retain your name, the same name is very important. Then there's exchange of gifts. Which number is that? Exchange of gifts. So when Jonathan and uh, David were going into covenant, they had to exchange gifts. Jonathan took his robe and gave to David which means now my identity and authority is now yours who was meant for the throne it was Jonathan it was in the tribe of Benjamin but when he gave his robe to David they took the exchange positions David now became a king based on that covenant it's part of it <laughs> yeah they, we, they also exchange weapons what it means is that when I'm in a war you are in a war. Yeah. That's why Abraham, when Abraham went to lie that Sarah was his wife, 
God came. It was a lie. It's not, it's not good. Lies is good. But when God came, he never said anything that Abraham had, had done. He came to Abimelech's church and said, you were a dead man. And closed all the wombs of his household. Because they were in a covenant. When Abraham, Abraham is in trouble, it is God who is in trouble. <laughs> it's powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know, we are in a better covenant. If you understand this, it will shock you how your life will be. <laughs> the next is that there is the covenant male, which is the eighth, which seals the whole thing. The ninth is that there are witnesses. There are those who observe the covenant. What is happening? People are there observing the covenant. There's a covenant meal. The covenant meal, the covenant meal is basically bread and wine. Bread and wine. So in those days, in the covenant, there is bread. So one person will take the bread and break it and give it to you. You know what it meant in those days? Bread stands for two things. Bread stands for possession. In the Bible, it stands for possession, and it also stands for the flesh. So when I break bread and give, to you, give it to you, I'm saying that all I have and all I am is at your disposal. So myself, my flesh, and my possessions, who, what I am and what I have is at your disposal in this covenant. And the wine... You know how wine is produced? Through the crashing of grapes. Crashing and the squeezing of grapes. Yeah. Wine stands for life. I'll lay my life for you. I'll lay my life for your sake. Wine stands for life. So, wine means life for life. So when you take the communion, it's a covenant meal. A covenant means that, <laughs> covenant meal, 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 signifying all that Jesus is and has is now yours. And all that you have and you are is now his. And his life is your life, your life is his life. So when you, when you are taking a communion and you break the bread, listen, you are eating his flesh. Is Jesus sick? Is he weak? Is he stressed? Is he fatigued? No. As he is, so are you in this world. So as you break it, you are eating who he is in his humanity and in his flesh. That's what it means. <laughs> and you receive his life. That, that's how it is. That's a covenant. And he says, my covenant will I not break. Now alter the thing which has gone out of my lips. A covenant is God's final irrevocable commitment. When God commits himself in a covenant, there is no more he can do to commit himself. So covenant relationship is high. If you know this, you can insist on your right of health and healing when you are not feeling well. But you don't have to take communion when you are not feeling well. Health is better, better than healing. People wait when they are not feeling well. If by his stripes I'm healed. They are not taking communion. No. Sustain your health by taking it always. And when a sickness tries to, sh- it will not even show up. When it tries, it will die quick- quickly. Hallelujah. I know what it has done to me. It's so powerful. I used to experience strange weakness in my body. My communion dismissed all in my life. It will do the same thing for you. Now, there's one impediment when it comes to taking communion. I want, I want to, quick, to quickly address that in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 verse 29. 
When you go to some churches, many people are afraid to take communion. Because they think that when they take communion, the curse will come on them. Because they are not holy enough. You cannot tell whether you have gossiped. You cannot tell what you have done. So you are so careful not to take the communion. Lest judgment comes on you. That's not what it means at all. Someone insulted an usher for serving him communion. Yeah. Because do you want judgment to come on him? I had a testimony of a certain man of God. He said he was a youth leader, and when they were going for communion, he would stand up because he was a leader, as if he's going. Then he walk out. When they reach the wall, he would just stand this way and wear dodge. He just go back <laughs> because he couldn't tell. He didn't want any curse on himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Duplantis said communion is the holiest thing on earth, but the devil has robbed the church of its efficacy and its true meaning. And this verse has done a lot of damage for many centuries in the church. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, hmm, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the lost, the lost body. But what does it mean? It doesn't mean, hey, am I worthy? I'm not worthy. Hmm. Let me use English to teach you this, English language. Let's go into English language. He is a pronoun, true or false. It is a verb, true or false. Drink is a verb. Unworthily is an adverb. An adverb, does it qualify a pronoun or a verb? <laughs> you people are scholars, so. <laughs> yeah. Are scholars, the science student does they don't know what we are talking about. <laughs> Those who were shouting are, are literature students, right? <laughs> so, he is a pronoun, eat is a verb, drink is a verb, unworthily is an adverb. An adverb never qualified a pronoun, it qualifies the verb, so it has nothing to do with the he, the person. <laughs> so he's talking about the manner in which he's doing eating the thing unworthily means the proper manner not the person you know why he's saying this if you go and read the whole chapter the Corinthians when they got to the communion table they were using the communion bread to satisfy their hunger so they were, and they didn't wait for the rest of the church members to come so when they serve the bread, they don't think of the lost body, they think of their stomach. It's in this chapter. So when they go and see it, they'll just break the bread. Don't let break the bread and they'll start. Oh my God. And they'll take the drink and they just drink. Wow. And they'll say, oh, I've taken communion. So because of that, because they were, it's in the chapter. I wish I had time to read everything. Because of that. Do <laughs> you have any idea of the things I have to say? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's see verse 20. Verse 20. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. 
For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper. And one is hungry and is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? <laughs> or despise ye the church of God? And shame them that have not. That's what is happening. Read in another version and see. So they were eat, eating, using the communion bread and the wine to satisfy their hunger. So Paul was saying that they were not doing it in an unworthy manner. It was not because they were not worthy. After all, all of us are unworthy. It's only the blood of Jesus that has made us worthy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let me blow your mind. Let's, come, let, let's go back to this. <laughs> Do you want me to blow your mind? Actually, the word unworthily is not part of the original Greek, the trans- original translation. It's not there. It's not, it's not even in the Bible. If you want the original translation, let's go to ASV version. ASV. Look at the ASV. The unworthily is not there. He that eateth and drinketh, eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, if he discern not the body. The whole thing is about not discerning the body. The word unworthy doesn't even come in. The unworthy is not in original Greek. You know what it means to discern the body? The word discern means to see and understand. That means that when you take the bread and you are breaking it, you, you know that you are not satisfying your hunger. This is not gobe. This is not jollof rice. So as you break it, know that, oh, Jesus broke his body for your sicknesses and diseases. And he gave you his own life. So you, you, and you see his, your sicknesses on his back. So you are seeing and you are discerning. Wow, Jesus took my sicknesses. Now he's bread of life for me. His flesh is what I'm seeing. He took mine away that he might, I might have his. So you are seeing and discerning and you are thanking him for health. Thanking him for healing. That is how to take it. Hallelujah. So to discern means you see and understand what the communion stands for. Not for, your, not for the satisfaction of your hunger. Hallelujah. You see, communion is not for... You don't make intercession with communion. You don't even plead with God. Father, please heal me. Please heal me. That's not what we do when you're taking communion. The communion is celebratory. It is called the Eucharist or the Eucharist. It's only thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and declaration. That's all. You don't plead. You don't uh, intercede. You don't uh, petition. No. Communion is saying, means, implies it is already done. You are not taking communion to be healed. You are taking communion as an affirmation of your health. So it is celebratory. It is in a spirit of blessing and thanksgiving. So you take it, you thank the Lord for having healed you. You thank the Lord for health and you break it. Then you, th- you, you take the, the blood, thank him for having forgiven you your sins. You don't take the cup to ask for forgiveness of sins. You take the cup because you have, your sins are already forgiven. It's in the past. It's in the past. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the whole thing is about designing the Lord's body. There are two ways by which we design his body. And seeing and understanding his physical body, that his physical body was, took your place. That headache and migraine you have, he took it. So design and see that if he took it, it shouldn't be there because he took it on his body. It's a powerful exchange. You don't have to have it. So you are designing the body. Another way to design his mystical body, which is the church, is to work in love. That's why I'm going to listen to legalities. 
I preach, the, I preach that in Takradi Church. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop says next week you'll listen to it. All right. Verse 30. Verse 30. The reason why people, when they take the communion, they don't take it well with understanding. For this cause, for this reason, this particular reason, many are, the word many means a great number of you are weak and sickly among you, and many are dead. Many have fallen asleep. That means they die and go to heaven, but they die prematurely. He's talking about the church. The Corinthian church, now he's addressing the Corinthian church. All the gifts of the Spirit were prevalent in the Corinthian church. The working of miracles was there. The gifts of healings was there. The gifts of faith was there. They were all in the church. So Paul was just explaining what was already happening, how the gift, now concerning spiritual gift. If I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 6, 7, his, the, Paul says, they came, they, they lacked, there was no gift lacking amongst them. They were behind no gift. So all the gifts of the Spirit was at work in the Corinthian church. Yet many of them were dying. If you're a pastor and a number of your church members are dying, how will you feel? Many of you, now many of them were weak. Weak, physically weak, fatigued. But mysteriously, the word weak, asthenis, has double meaning in the Greek. Asthenis means to become financially poor. Yeah. So it wasn't just physical weakness. Their pocket was also drying because they were not discerning the lost body. And the word sickly actually means to become critically ill. That's the root word. To become to become critically ill and many fell asleep, many died. So if you are in a church and many people are dying, you have to revive communion or many people are getting sick. There must be the revival of communion. Because once you take it well with understanding, instead of weakness, you have strength and blessings of wealth as well. Instead of sickness, you, you will have health. Instead of dying early, you will have long life. That's what it does. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Are you here? Yeah. All right. Now let's explore more what communion is. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. Ye cannot drink of the, of the cup of the Lord and a cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Now he calls the communion the Lord's table. In fact, from verse 16, he has been talking about the Lord's table. Say the Lord's table. The communion is the Lord's table. Hmm. Mysteriously, the word table is not the ordinary word for table in the Greek. Trapezo. In, in the Greek, the word trapezo for the lost table is actually the word for bank. Bank. So he calls the communion the lost bank. The communion is the lost bank. Alright. What do you go to do at bank? So the banks are loaded with riches. They have this vault that has a lot of money. A lot of money in the bank. A lot of money. Where do you save? Do you save in EcoBank or GCB? <laughs> GT Bank. Yeah. A lot of money. There are a lot of money there. A lot of money there. Now, what do you think of God's bank? How much wealth will be in God's bank? Unfathomable. 
inexhaustible, incalculable, immeasurable. God's bank, you can't exhaust it. Everything is there. Now, he calls the communion the Lord's bank. What do you do when you go to bank? You go and withdraw money. You withdraw. That is what happens when you go to the communion table. You've come before the Lord's bank. So what it means is that the Lord's bank is loaded with so many virtues and riches. In the Lord's bank, there is health. In his bank, there is preservation. There is protection. There is uh, peace. There is abundance. There is rest. Spiritual gifts, spiritual graces. So many things are in his bank. Now the Bible says that when you come before his table, you have come before his bank. The way you withdraw money with the deposit slip or, or with the withdrawal slip, the way you withdraw money when you go to bank, in the same way when you sit or stand before the communion table, your faith can withdraw from God's inexhaustible, unfathomable riches and resources. So before the communion, I'm telling you, your faith can withdraw health. Your faith can withdraw preservation. Your faith can withdraw safety and protection. Your faith, I'm telling you, that's his bank. You see, God's word is too much. How can he use the word bank for communion? His bank. His bank. This small bread and this small wine is God's bank. Hallelujah. You are sitting and standing before his bank. He's saying all things are yours. What can you withdraw? Use your faith to withdraw what you want. I'm telling you, um, Bishop Takia Boy was talking about some people who took communion and they sat in the car. They were going and they were attacked by wicked men with axe, different kind of axes and all sort of um, deadly instruments. And they would hit their car. What happens when you use an axe to hit the screen of a car? When the, the, when the axe hit, touches the screen, it will bounce back like a football. <laughs> they use all sorts of weaponry, nothing touch the car. It will just bounce like football. Because when they took communion, I don't know what their faith withdrew from the communion. Protection is in the communion. Health is in the communion. Wealth is in the communion. This is God's, God's word. The Greek says the Lord's bank. The Lord's bank. This is what the guy was listening and he said, ah, this thing, it may be an exaggeration. <laughs> then he had a terminal disease and he took it and it worked. <laughs> you go and do it in your house. It will work for you. It will work for you. Can you imagine walking in this consciousness and before his bank? What do I need? It could be childlessness. You can withdraw babies from the communion. You can withdraw, maybe you are jobless. You, you can withdraw something. <laughs> my, my. The lost bank. The lost bank. The greatest things in the kingdom are always simple. Like salvation. You, you just in few seconds you can be saved by just confessing Christ as Lord. In the eyes of the world, it is foolishness. How can you receive all of God, the triune God? How can they how can they come and indwell you by a mere confession of Christ who are my Lord? It doesn't make sense. That's how spiritual things are. 
a little cup, a little wine, <laughs> a little cup, a little wine. <laughs> Prepare in your house wow. <laughs> your, your own drink, yeah. your own wine. Yeah. Sometimes there's no wine, so you even use calipo. <laughs> <laughs> just just little thing before you. You are saying it's God's bank. How can this be? How can this be? How, oh, we walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By faith. Faith in what God's word has said. That when you stand before the communion, before the Lord's table, actually that table is his bank. It is loaded with riches. The communion is loaded with riches. Heavenly riches. Divine riches. Eternal riches. Celestial riches. What can you believe for? If you believe for, you will see it. You will become. Blessed is she that believeth. For there shall be a performance of those things which were spoken by the Lord. What do you believe? What are you believing for? What is your heart desire? What is your endless desire? I came to give you a hundred percent comprehensive insurance policy in the communion that when you take the communion, you are before his bank, the bank of heaven, not the bank of Ghana, the bank of heaven, not the world bank, the bank of heaven, eternity's bank, eternity's bank. It is one it is high it is high it is measureless it is boundless hey unfathomable his bank what can you believe for everything is there what you need is there what you need is there forget about the successes and the failures of others you can believe for yourself if you see it you can seize it all is about revelation previously you had communion you never saw result because there was no revelation but now there is light there is insight there is understanding there is revelation you understand what it means to discern his body to see and understand and as you take it the ulcer disappears and as you take it the cancer dies as you take it the tuberculosis dissolves as you take it something supernatural we tap in to the redemptive work of Christ the power of redemption we tap in to the virtues and the values of the redemption hey all the finished work of Christ all the blessings the benedictions the blessednesses of his finished work is loaded in his bank his bank account his bank account is the communion his bank account is the communion of the blood. His bank account is the communion of the body. His own blood and his own flesh. His possessions. All he is. All he has in the covenant. Covenantal blessings. Covenantal promises. The covenant says what he has is mine. What I have is his. The covenant make me a possessor. A joint heir of all that Jesus has when I stand before the bank hey it is the covenant the covenant mail the covenant mail all things are mine if it is God's it is mine protection is mine authority is mine identity is mine all good riches are mine hey 
Ramasende, Libra Sunday, Kibakara Basande, Global Sikalekete. This is the end of sicknesses in your life. This is the end of ill health. This is the end of diseases. This is the end of trouble. Healing is here. Deliverance is here. Hey, it is here right now. Health is here. Health is here. The power of God is here. The ability of God is here. The grace of God is here. Hey, the glory of God is here. Hey, today is a new beginning. Today is a new beginning in your life and in your health and in your strength. Hey, it's a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad. It's a new day. Rima Sible, Singla Sible, Glory, Glory to the Son of God. Lima Sinde, Libra Kateke. Hey, we are before the bank of the Lord, the eternal bank. I am wealthy, I am rich, I am the heir of the monarch of the universe. I am the heir of the monarch of the universe. I am born in wealth, I walk in wealth. Shibe Kate Mama Zimbe. I will never lack. I will never be poor. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. I live in abundance. Rima Sute Kara Izinta Dibikaka Zeus de Kande Rama Simbra Akatata Yemakoli Asandebe. Glory to the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. We withdraw from the bank. We withdraw from the heavenly bank. We withdraw from the eternal bank. We withdraw. We withdraw. Redemption. The finished work of Christ. All its benefits and blessednesses. Lomo Shibra Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.